This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and Ontario Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Good morning, I'm Jim Lang, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, and what we should call a Hall of Fame show with two Hall of Fame horsemen standing by. You may recall a couple of shows back, we touched upon the topic of horse racing safety, and in particular, the safety of the horses and rider. Currently, the use of riding crop is a subject that is facing different opinions in North American racing jurisdictions. One person who has taken the task to heart is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith, who besides being a world-class jockey, he is also the co-chair of the Jockeys Guild, located in Lexington, Kentucky. Mike recently wrote a letter to the California Horse Racing Board on behalf of the Guild and the California Riders criticizing a restrictive riding crop rule that went into effect earlier this month. Shortly, we will talk to Mike and learn more about this letter and why the rule was considered to be restrictive. And with the Breeders' Cup Championship being held next weekend, who better to give an insight of the importance of the two-day event than someone who has lived it firsthand, the amazing jockey Mike Smith. Also on today's show, again, we are talking breeders, harness racing style, with the second night of the $6 million Breeders' Crown Championship Series, the 37th edition, which will be raced at Harris Hoosier Park in Indiana tonight. Standing by to talk more about tonight's Breeders' Crown races is Hall of Fame harness driver John Campbell, who is now the president of the Hamiltonian Society Breeders' Crown. We will talk about everything we need to know with John, and not only about tonight's stellar harness racing car to Hoosier Park, but also the transition he made from a world-class harness driver to executive and of course all the Breeders' Crown events will be available for betting via and viewing our good friends at HPI and Dark Horse love that and finally well what happened? Marty Hart's quest to become a Canadian Triple Crown winner was thwarted by Belichick. We will review this heartbreaking outcome, some other racing action today at Woodbine and Woodbine Mohawk Park. Possibly Breeders' Cup Thoroughbred News as, yes, it's next weekend. And, of course, some ponies picks of the day. Larry's hot. It's going to be a great show. And once again, you better get your HPI and Dark Horse apps and accounts ready for some heavy betting action. When we come back, my co-host and the ponies expert, Larry Simpson, joining the show. And we will talk about an upset in last week's Breeder Stakes at Woodbine. Stay with us. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine is next. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine brought to you by Woodbine Racetrack and Woodbine Mohawk Park and Ontario Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and Ontario Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce you to my co-host and the expert on ponies and all things horse racing, the one and only Larry Simpson. Larry, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I, like a lot of Canadians, I was watching every second of that race last weekend, at Woodbine and the Breeder Stakes and Mighty Heart, there were some amazing stories. And, uh, of course, we had a great interviews last weekend show leading up to it. But in the end, Belichick in that home stretch was a deserving winner. 
He was, and 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 really, it was no surprise. I think, we, like Josie Carroll had said along all the way along, that Belichick was a nice horse, and he just seemed to be coming up to a race. And the thing was that uh, he was well spaced his races, and that he he never went into the Prince of Wales, so he went directly from the Queen's Plate. So he was well rested, and and the the pace was fast, and it set it up very well for him. And and take nothing away from Mighty Hart. Mighty Hart had a tremendous year. He had a tremendous year, and and really he he, he raced well last week. I think he was maybe just too sharp. You know, I think uh, the jockey tried to gear him down a little bit, but uh, he was he was very sharp and wanted to go. And I don't think it was the the turf or anything like that. I think he might have been just too sharp, and and way he went. So I know Woodbine refers to the Triple Crown as a hero will win one, a legend will take all three, and it does speak volume to something you spoke about spoke about last week, Larry, is just how difficult it is to win the Triple Crown of horse racing in Canada. Well, yes, and it, as we said, it was what 2003, the last time with uh, with the great Wando, and and before that, there was only what seven horses since 1959. So, and I and I think it it gets tougher and tougher, especially this year, because you got to remember everything was off by a couple of months, and the uh, breeder stakes would have normally been in late August. Mm-hmm. So you you would have had a, maybe a little different turf course, uh, maybe wouldn't have been as, um, well, it wasn't really soft, but it wasn't firm either. And I think, you know, the other thing is too, a lot of these horses like Belichick and that, they were late bloomers. So if if you were racing the Queen's Plate back in June or June the 30th, when it would have probably been uh, he maybe not would have even been there. So, but October is perfect for him. Exactly, exactly, and and I, I think that's happened in racing all around. Like Kentucky Derby was in September, and he had horses that probably if the Derby was going to be in May, they wouldn't have been there either. So, well, that's the, that's the one story. But the other story that really won't go away is the use of the riding crop for jockeys in North America racing. Exactly, and we had Terry Meeks on from the Jockeys Guild a few weeks ago, and. There just seems to be a lot of uh, questions about it, and every racing jurisdiction seems to have their own rules and regulations, and uh, I guess one of the major battles right now is in California, and and, uh, uh, we've got somebody on the show that... uh, has a, a, a pretty good stake in, in the, the racing in the, the state of California. Well, when you win that many races, 5,600 races and 26 Breeder Cup wins, you're well-deserving of the Hall of Fame. Uh, joining us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, uh, one of the best to ever do it, Mike Smith. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, the, your passion is racing, and your passion is the protection of jockeys and there's so much going on around North America with the controversy with the riding crop and and you were quite eloquent in a letter describing what the dangers is of reducing the amount of time a jockey can use their riding crop in a race uh, to just tell us more about it why it was so important to you to write that letter well you know I mean we're trying to make it almost like a, a science like there's this magic number that's supposed to work and, and this is you know this is what racing and everything else when, when a riding crop is, is really a very, very important tool for a rider. I mean, it's, we've, we've gotten them where, where they're, they're, they're safety, they're cushion crops now, and they're really good safety, uh, very equine friendly. They, they don't hurt a horse, but there's something that, that to it on having it when, when you need it to, to correct one, to straighten one up, to, to persevere, to, to, for so many different things. I mean, horses have minds of their own. We all know they're bred to run, and they, 
when they want to, they love to run, but, but uh, they can change their mind at any second, and you just don't know when you're going to need it, how you're going to need it, where you're going to need it. When you put a limit on it to start with, then you try and change the whole the whole way we've all been taught how to use it properly and, and trying to have us use it in a, in a different manner. It's just, it just becomes very awkward and very dangerous. What was the reasoning behind the California Horse Racing Board for making this rule so restrictive for you guys? I just don't know. I don't know if it, if it was when the animal activists got involved around here earlier uh, last year when, when we had that couple of months where we had all that bad, bad weather and we had breakdowns and, and all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it became a big uh, animal activist issue and they got involved and, and once you, you know, once they get involved and you let them in the door, then they start changing all your rules for you when they really don't know the game. It gets very, it gets very frustrating, and very dangerous. We still have, we have rules that have been in place for a hundred, for many, many, many years that the stewards, you know, all they have to do is, is, is apply them. They're very strict rules. I mean, if, if anyone is overusing the riding crop in any way, the stewards have the, the right to, to do something about it. Rather, they find you or give you days or whatever it may be. They, they can recommend you at any time. They have very strict rules. And again, now with the riding crop, the way we've, we've manufactured it, man, it, it, it's as safe as safe can be. It, it doesn't harm them, but it's something you definitely need to keep them focused and to keep them uh, moving in whatever direction you need them to move in. They're, they're very strong, strong animals, and they're high-strung, and they can, they, they can go in any direction and change their mind at any time. Well, you have ridden many, many mounts over the years. You must have seen some horrific accidents at that level, Mike. Certainly. I, I've been involved in a few uh, as well, as we probably all have. Anyone who's ridden for for numbers of years, it's just a matter of, of, of when and how it's going to happen. Uh, you just hope that you can do your best to, to prevent it every time. And, and I feel like we're being restricted to that, uh, especially here in California when you're only restricted to, to use it six times. So you got to count as well. <laughs> top of all this it becomes very very you know hard to do when you're busy and you're, you're working and you're trying to get a horse to straighten up or go straight you, you know you could lose track of count that quick and then they, they make you use it in an underhand position which is very awkward especially going left-handed a lot of people having trouble switching sticks and getting it over there and actually even using it left-handed where now you know they're, they're hitting them in the flank places you're not supposed to be Whereas you can use it properly, it, it just works a whole lot better, and it's the way it's supposed to be used. As as co-chair of the Jockeys Guild, how are things going with the other racing jurisdictions across North America to try to get something mandated on a uh, regular scale for you guys? You know, I, I think we're getting close. Uh, we're certainly getting close, and, and I hope that once that they do, that, that, that everyone will follow suit and we'll have one one jurisdiction, one, one rule. Whereas if you, right now you go to a different racetrack, it's, you know, you come to California, you can only use it six times and underhanded only. No one else has really changed yet other than, than they're, they're going to start at some point. And, and we're up for change. We understand, uh, you know, there's a perception that's involved and we're fine. I'm trying to, trying to help and trying to change in some ways, but, but just to totally restrict it to one little number and, and the way you, you have to use it just doesn't work. You know, if you could at least turn it up and use it properly when you need it, that would certainly help a whole lot. And if you have to have a number, well, then if you could just underhand it as necessary whenever you need You never know, Lee, from the time you leave the gate to the quarter pole, there's a, there's a thousand different things that happen. So that's why this, you know, just, just to put one simple number all the way around there doesn't, doesn't really work. 
Mike, after writing this impassioned letter, did anybody from the California Horse Racing Board or maybe Governor Gavin Newsom reach out to you to, to get sort of a dialogue going? <laughs> that was the hope they would, but I really haven't haven't had any feedback other than from you know a lot of people like you guys and, and fellow riders and trainers and owners uh, that reached out and, and absolutely believed in the letter. And but I, I haven't heard from from the, the CHRB, the people who actually you know, come up with these rules. I haven't really heard from anybody. We've been reaching out to them, trying to get another meeting together, see if we can talk this out a little bit, but it doesn't seem to be getting through anywhere. I'm, I'm hoping at some point, at some time it will. We're just trying to, to make everything better for everyone, you know, including ourselves. You know, it's our lives that are on the line. We're the ones that, that are up there. And if, if we're concerned about it, then people should listen. I mean, we're the ones that put our lives on the line. All right, let's change the topic for a second, Mike. Uh, it's Breeders' Cup coming up. You've had your share of wins, obviously, in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, do you still get a charge every year when it's Breeders' Cup time? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, anytime you're, you're blessed enough to, to be able to compete in, in, in Breeders' Cups, Triple Crown races, the Queen's Plate, those those type of races, man, you get you can't help but get charged up for that. And, there's something about the Breeders' Cup that's even even a little more special for the simple fact that the best around the world come. So you get to see people from everywhere, you know, Japan, England, France, Ireland, Italy. I mean, they, they're coming from everywhere. Canada, I mean, it's, I miss it this year. This is the first time I'm going to miss the Breeders' Cup in a long, long time. I was very uh, unfortunate that a lot of my, my really good ones earlier this year retired. So don't have nothing this year. Is there like two or three races in your amazing career that stand out that still kind of bring a smile to your face when you think about those victories, Mike? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I, again, I've been blessed. I've done, done pretty well here in the States and, and even even overseas somewhat. But, I, you know, I, I would always probably say, you know, to win the Breeders' Cup Classic since Breeders' Cup is coming up. Of course, uh, Arrowgate, uh, you know, doing what he did in such a short amount of time as well, winning the Dubai World Cup was an incredible race. And then, and then the, winning the Triple Crown is the holy grail here in, in, in the States anyway. And, and, and to be a blast to pull that off, man, you feel like you could just go away and everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, continued uh, championing uh, jockeys around North America. You're doing great work. And we thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. When we come back, we are talking Breeders' Crown Championship. Is another Hall of Famer, retired harness driving legend John Campbell, now the president of the Hamiltonian Society, joins the show. Stay tuned. We're right back. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine Racetrack and Woodbine Mohawk Park and Ontario Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one app for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 450 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at COSAonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and Ontario Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jim Lang with Larry Simpson. Today is a huge night for harness racing as its championship series, the Breeders' Crown, now in its 37th year, continues at Hoosier Park. Well, what else is going to be called in Indiana but Hoosier Park with a who's who of world-class trotters and pacers scheduled to compete today. We're joined by the man with the golden hands, John Campbell, who's exchanged his driving silks and helmet for a business suit as he's the president of the Hamiltonian Society Breeders' Crown. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. It's uh, my pleasure to be on. It must be different for you after all those years in the heat of the battle, sitting there with a suit and tie watching. You still must get the old juices flowing on a night like tonight. Well, I don't as much as the first year or so that I after I left. Uh, I, I realized at my age, if I went back to driving, you're not going to be better at it. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't miss it as much as I did the first year, year and a half. Is uh, there one Breeders' Crown race you've seen in, in your lifetime, either as a driver or since you've been there at the, uh, as, as president, that really stands out to you? I can't say there's one. That there's been so many great races over the years. I, you know, to say one stands out either watching or driving, it, that's pretty tough. I, I think maybe Broadway Hall, just because it was his last start that he ever raced in his life, and he, he was undefeated going into it, and he was nowhere near at his best and still won that day. But just tremendous grit, and that's something that always stuck with me. I, I was just uh, amazed that he was able to even stay on stride, let alone win the race. So I guess that would want, just from a personal standpoint, that would stand out. You know, John, whether you're Larry Bird or Wayne Gretzky, there's a time where you become an athlete to an exceptional athlete and very, very at the top of your sport. When was the turning point for you when you became one of the top harness drivers in the world, basically. In 1979, I, I was leading driver at the Meadowlands, and I actually won the, the money, money title in North America that year. Um, that whole year was really a whirlwind for me because I had just, I'd raced at the Meadowlands in 1978, and I drove a few extra horses, but mostly my own stable. When I came back in January of 79, everything just took off. And as I said, it was just uh, a whirlwind of, of a year. And from that point on, I was in demand as a catch driver and got to drive some, you know, unbelievable horses over the years. Was it a tough transition, though, going from driver to businessman? No, not really. Not too bad. I, I will say I had a lot of help uh, from uh, Maura Fanning and Tom Charters. Tom Charters was my predecessor, and uh, I still uh, can lean on him for counsel and advice and Maura Fanning has worked at the Hamiltonian Society for over 20, 25 years and uh, I rely on uh, her judgment and she's been through so many of these but those two people made the transition so much easier for me. The Breeders' Crown presenting sponsor, the Livefield Cats Breeding Partnership, what, what makes them so special and something that you're proud to be associated with? Well, Marvin and Al, obviously huge supporters of our industry, and I've known both of them for many, many years. They bring so much to the table as a sponsor because uh, they're involved. Marvin has been the driving force between the charity challenge that we've implemented the last two years. It was very successful at Woodbine last year, and, and again this year through Hoosier. It's something that uh, the British Crown is proud to be associated with because it gives back to the, the local community, 
I think it's really beneficial for our industry to be uh, looked upon as putting effort and money back into the local communities where we moved the Breeders' Crown. So both Marvin and Al have just been tremendous partners for us these last two years. And I hope this uh, relationship continues because it's beneficial for the Breeders' Crown. There's no question about that. Okay, now you're going to put your uh, your thinking cap on, John. The uh, one of the the major races tonight, obviously, is the uh, three year old Colt and and Gelding Pacers, and you've got Tall Dark Stranger in there, and the uh, Little Brown Jug winner, uh, Captain Barboso. Who do you like in there? Well, it's hard to go against uh, Tall Dark Stranger. He's, <laughs> he's just one of those horses that knows how to win, and sometimes he doesn't look as impressive as others but he wins and he's an extremely hard horse to pass. He reminds me a little bit of Campella in that regard in that Campella, you know, he always looked vulnerable. He couldn't beat him. He just refused to lose. And I see a lot of that in tall, dark stranger. Having said that cattle wash looked extremely strong in his elimination. He was actually, I would say more impressive. You look, if you look at the line than tall, dark stranger, but uh, until somebody passes Tall Dark Stranger, I think he's my pick. Do you see some potential young harness drivers and think there's a maybe an up-and-coming John Campbell in the mix there? There's lots of young drivers with tremendous potential. I'm a firm believer, if you go back in history, if you take the top five or seven guys in any era and put them in today's climate, that they would be successful. Having said that, the pool of drivers across North America from 1 to 30 or 40 has never been deeper. There's so many good drivers uh, throughout the United States and Canada, and that the pool and the competition for drives uh, at the highest level is very intense. And uh, that pool is really, really deep. So you can take a number of these guys and just say you could see him being the top guy in three years, five years, because that pool is very deep. And to get a chance at a young age right now, you have to be so talented because as a the competition, you'll have guys like uh, David Miller, Tietrick, Yannick Jinkrow. They're, they're still at the top of the game. Dexter Dunn has come over and done tremendous. So these young guys that are getting chances, it just shows how talented they are that they're getting these opportunities. John, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the races tonight, and uh, we'll talk soon. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. My pleasure. After the break, Larry Simpson breaking down today's two co-feature stakes races at Woodbine, a betting gym at Woodbine Mohawk Park. And if you're looking for some action tonight, a betting nugget at Delmar, which opens its fall meet later today, and a Breeders' Crown pick at Hoosier. Stay with us for his Pony Picks of the Day. Larry Simpson making you money. Next. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine Racetrack and Woodbine Mohawk Park and Ontario Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and Ontario Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. 
Welcome back. Before we wrap up the show, we're going to take a look at today's stakes featured at Woodbine and a couple other possible betting plays. Larry's going to give us his ponies picks of the day. However, Larry Simpson was a part of horse racing history at Woodbine. 47 years ago this week, Larry, Big Red, the immortal secretariat, ran its final race at Woodbine. I was there, and it was uh, it was very dark when they crossed the finish because we put the clocks back again that that weekend, I remember. But yeah, it was 47 years ago, and uh, he, it was just, he, well, he was an incredible horse and probably my most favorite horse I ever ever watched race in that. So, And I've had another, a few other people tell me when he, when he came out, there was almost an energy in the crowd when he, did you feel that as well? Yeah, there was, there was a buzz and, and uh, it was just, it was ominous though, the way it was just almost conducted with the lights on in the, in the dark and they didn't have a lot of lights back then either. So uh, it was just incredible. And the way he did it so easily, it's just one of those races that I still have the ticket, the Fantastic. ticket. And uh, actually I have it framed with a picture of Secretariat and I have, I actually have a lot of uh, Secretariat memorabilia. Now, I think of some of the great sports photos in our history. Bob Yore with the Stanley Cup flying through the air. Ali knocking Sonny Liston. But Ronnie Turcott at the Belmont looking over his shoulder because he's, mm-hmm. what, 30 lengths ahead? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd they all go? Where'd they go? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still get chills up my mind. Uh, spine. It's a busy weekend, a busy day. Okay, let's start with Woodbine. A couple of feature stakes, and before we get to Woodbine Park and Delmar, so what's going on Woodbine? You want to talk about? Well, let's talk about Race Nine, which is the uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollar Princess Elizabeth Stakes for two year old uh, Canadian bred fillies. It's it's probably one of the last big races on the card for them this year, uh, for two year old fillies. Anyways, uh, I'm going to take a shot with number three, uh, Il Malakia. She's bred for the distance. She has three improving uh, buyer speed ratings. Uh, she was quite impressive in her last start, uh, which was uh, on the turf, and she's going turf to synthetic, which is a high uh, average move, percentage move for her trainer. So I kind of like that horse. And sunny, dry conditions today, so that should be good for, for – I mean, I don't think there's going to be any issue for the horses or the riders today. Well, they're on, this race is going to be on the synthetic, but there are some turf races, and, and one that I'd like to talk about is race 11, the number six horse, uh, Fairy Wren. I, I liked this horse on the show a few weeks ago. Oh, that's right, yeah. And I thought that the horse had just a nightmare trip, and if you look at the racing form, it says that – yeah, she got behind a wall of horses, and she got shut off and uh, in the stretch, so it, it was just a no-go. But thing was, she was a beaten favorite, so obviously the public liked her. I liked her, and uh, I think there's a significant jockey change today, and if she stays out of trouble, she should be okay. And um, we'll buy Mohawk Park tonight? we we'll buy Mohawk Park. I'm going to go to uh, race 11. So you're going to have to uh, maybe take some Somonix for your sleep so you don't fall asleep. <laughs> all but, that all <laughs> the chocolate tonight, all the you'll cho- be fine. Eat, eat some chocolate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about the chocolate. So, <laughs> But uh, the number one horse, Mongolian Hero N. It's been his last start. He was up a couple of classes and then what he's racing today. And uh, went first up, which is a move that... You know, you normally see that they're trying with the horse. They're going first up with it. Wasn't able to clear, finished fourth, dropping back down in class and uh, where he was very competitive uh, prior to moving up in class. So that's the one horse, uh, Mongolian hero. And it's, you've still got some money. Well, actually, that... With you, of course, because you get, make <laughs> us money. We're always going to have money with you, Larry. Yeah, it's opening day at Del Mar today. Oh, okay. And I'm, I'm looking at a horse. I, I like a couple of plays at Del Mar today, but I'm, I'm gonna, I, I really like the race six. It's uh, for maiden 50,000 claimers. 
I like the 10 horse, which is called The Loot is Mine. Uh, and in his first career start a few weeks back at Santa Anita, this guy was really well bet. He was off slow. Uh, he was starting to close some ground when he was steadied by another horse late, but he was still only beaten about three lengths. So he, he goes dirt today. Flavian Pratt, who's one of the top California riders, is uh, being hired to ride. And he drops in class from a maiden special weight to a maiden 50. And his trainer is very good the uh, second time out. So I, I kind of like that horse. Well, we talk about a lot. Dark Horse, HPI, the, the website, the apps, the links are going to get a big workout this weekend and this week with the Breeders' Cup coming up. Well, yeah, you've got uh, two days of action coming up. And I'd just like to make mention of... Uh, Oh, Friday is the, they call it Juvenile Day for the Breeders' Cup, so it's all your, your two-year-old races. And the uh, Juvenile uh, Turf Race, uh, we've talked about a horse called Gretzky the Great. Yes. He's an Ontario bred. Uh, Mark Cassie's training it, and uh, he's been pre-entered for the uh, Juvenile. It's a $1 million purse. It's one mile on the turf. And I think if he goes, he, he's got a good shot. He's uh, one of, I think, only two horses in there that show a grade one win so far. And he's won at the distance. And he won the summer stakes there at a mile at uh, Woodbine a few weeks ago. And David Anderson is his breeder. And uh, speaking with David the other day, and, and uh, you know, they, they got high hopes for this horse. So That's why we listen, Larry. You make us money. Well, that's it. Thanks for joining us again for another edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the latest Ponies 24-7 magazine, email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. Happy Halloween. Thanks for listening. Bed wisely. HPI and Dark Horse app. We're going to have a good day of horse racing. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and Ontario Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8.30 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9, the region.